This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm Brian Tetta, executive producer of The View. It's Friday, and I'm here with Anna Navarro. This is Behind the Table. Okay, I am here. It is Friday. I am here with Anna Navarro. Unfortunately, Chacha not present. I'm sorry to say. Uh, Chacha doesn't do rain. Doesn't do rain. Okay. It's not. I, you know, I looked at. The, I had too much travel this week. Mm-hmm. I was here on Monday, then I was in Washington, then I was in New Orleans, then I came back here. So it was too much travel to be schlepping around with poor Chacha. And also, I knew the we- the weather's been terrible in New York the whole week. Yeah, we were actually preempted in New York today, she, which is crazy. So Chacha is a is a Florida dog, right? She's a Miami dog, and she's a spoiled bitch. So because I see dogs in New York, they do their business like on the sidewalk. They'll do their business on a little on a little balcony. They'll do their business anywhere. Chacha needs grass. Okay. And uh, so no, she can't come in the rain. I had a. a- dog when I was living in Manhattan in an apartment. Um, I bought a large Labrador Retriever when I was living in a small apartment, which was a mistake. And we quickly moved to Long Island. But we trained the dog to go on sewer grates. That was the only way that the dog would go because uh, we didn't have grass. Okay, well, if if Chacha stood in a sewer grate, she would go down the She'd sewer. She'd fall through. Right. <laughs> All right. So let's start today with this morning because uh, we came into the morning meeting, our Hot Topics meeting. And um, you're not alone in this, but you mentioned several times in the meeting how annoying you found the cheery and full of sunshine Sarah Haynes this morning. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, she, she, this woman literally comes in every day feeling happy and perky. It drives me absolutely nuts. It's like, what? Don't you know what's happening in the world? You know, and I, I, uh, like I come into the makeup room and it's, her, it's usually her and me in the makeup room with our uh, hair and makeup uh, people before the meeting gets started. Yes. First of all, they have they usually have on like some uh, happy talk show, and I make them change it to CNN so that I can see all the bad news happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And then Sarah starts talking today about the Golden Bachelor, and she's going on about this. Like you would think she was so emotionally invested, and you know I should be the one invested. I'm the one that's always dating seventy year olds, <laughs> but um, she's got a younger man. But she was all into it. And at one point, I was so happy when I saw Joy Behar walk in because I knew, good, finally, I have a twin in darkness, yes, darkness that just showed up. Despair. No, like, Joy and I are like uh, Wednesday Adam. Well, you know, and, and, definitely at 8.30 in the morning, Joy's in that, that mood. Oh. And, and Sunny also, I will say, not a morning person per se. For, for five ladies, six ladies that are hosting a, a morning television show, none of you are particularly morning people. I have a theory about this because we were just we do a sound check when we come into the podcast booth, and uh, the question they've been asking is, "What did you have for breakfast?" I had a, a Nutrigrain bar this morning. They asked you, and you said, "What?" I hate breakfast. I don't have breakfast. You don't have breakfast. You hate breakfast. I hate breakfast. I understand I, not having breakfast because you're busy or you got things going on. How do you hate breakfast? I would eat breakfast all day long. Well, well first of all, if you consider a Nutrigrain bar a breakfast, let's even like I'm not even going to concede on that. I'm just yeah. But uh, I don't like breakfast food. I don't like eggs. I definitely don't like runny eggs. That'll make me just flee. 
uh, I don't like ham. I don't like bacon. I don't like sausage. I don't like, I don't like waffles. I don't like pancakes. I hate. Now, if, but, if 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 I sit down to breakfast and you give me a ceviche with a pisco sour, I'll have breakfast. What about a bagel? Eh. Yeah. Really, it's like it's so. I think this would change your entire mood. I think if we got you in the morning a nice catered breakfast that you enjoyed, I think you'd come in. I think you'd be like Sarah Haynes Part Two. You'd be sitting there, you'd be snapping your fingers. You'd Listen, be... if you want me to have calories in the morning, get me a margarita and leave me alone. Well, that right? might put you in a good mood but too. That, I don't, I don't, I don't. You, now, I will tell you, when I was in Turkey and Greece, their breakfast they have they have salads for breakfast. They have cheese and tomatoes mm-hmm. and cucumbers and olives and I mean it's like an antipasto. For breakfast, I loved their breakfast. I don't like pancakes. I don't like waffles. I don't like syrup. I don't like any of that. I love uh, a, a diner that serves breakfast all day. I'll go. Also, in I don't like up. American coffee. That's the other thing. The Amer- only coffee oh I will consume is Cuban coffee, and I prefer the one that's done made in my house. By uh, by this time of day, I've already had three to four very large coffees. I can't stand on the uh, way to the train, on the train, right when the show starts, and then um, I get one right about now. So. There we go. You mentioned The Bachelor before, and uh, we should talk about this. Are we going to talk about this again? We're going to talk about this again. Oh, God. Now, The Bachelor, it's funny because everyone's like, oh, I don't want to talk about The Bachelor. And then you're all great on The Bachelor. Every time it comes up, it's very good. Everyone watched it last night except for you. Even Joy watched a little bit of The Bachelor. It's dating over 50. You said you have experience. Well, no, you haven't been dating anybody since you turned 50. But you're married. What What do you think about this whole concept? Do you agree with the narrative that it's easier, that people are more serious, they know what they're looking for, that in some ways it's easier over 50? I don't know why we're talking about The Bachelor. I have never watched The Bachelor. I hate every part of the franchise. Do you know that I actually had a a, a, a classmate of mine? I went to a very small school, the yeah. Sacred Heart in Miami, so we were only like 30-some students. I ha- One of my classmates, uh, Allie, was actually on The Bachelor, and she had a pretty dramatic moment on there. Actually, I didn't even watch that either. I only read about it and heard about it from my other classmates. Right. What is the question? Is the concept of dating after 50? When we talked about The Golden Bachelor, you said you were the one who had experience dating over 50. You're dating people over 50. But... Well, look, there's, yeah, now I'm over 50. There's all these issues you don't have to worry about, right? right? You don't have to worry. You don't have to have the kid conversation. Yeah. Because usually, you know, if you're over 50, you're probably not going to have a kid uh, or you've already had kids. You usually know much more about uh, your finances. You're much more secure. You know who you are. You're not being defined by somebody else's identity, right? It's not like, oh, I'm, you know, this is uh, my partner for life. No, you've already made your life. This is now your partner uh, for the rest of your life. But you've you've made your name, your identity, your um, you know, your, your set of principles, your beliefs, nobody's kind of shaping you. I, so I think it's, it, uh, you also, you're probably better at sex, frankly, at 50 than you are at 25. People trust me on this. I know. <laughs> um, it's, you know, you know what you like and what you don't like, and you're not uh, as uh, inhibited about talking about it and, and, and saying what you want. You weren't here with the Golden Bachelor yesterday, but the one thing he said that that all the ladies at the table seemed to enjoy was he said that his you know he'd been married for a very long time, he had lost his wife, um, and one of the things he brought to the table was because he had been married for a very long time, he he came already very well trained, you know he had been broken in by uh, by a wife. I think that's something that that he brings to the table. I don't know. Listen, I I, I married my husband late in life, and he uh, he'd been married <laughs> twice before, and he was untrained. Well, I don't know what. Uh, yeah, he you know. All right. Well, let's move from the Golden Bachelor to something you were. I would like somebody to train him on how to close a drawer. 
Close a cabinet door. Put a chair back in. Yeah, all right, fair enough. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This is according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash view. Just go to Indeed.com slash view right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash view. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Woodward and Bernstein. Pen and paper. Wine and cheese. What about the perfect pairing when it comes to growing your business? That's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're delivering daily digests or serving sensational scoops, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com view, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com view now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash view. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's move from The Golden Bachelor to something you were very excited about. We teased this a little bit last week, but we had Carlos Vives on the show today. And tell everyone, well, tell everyone, first of all, who doesn't know why this was such an important booking uh, for you and in general. Well, Carlos Vives is a huge Latin American artist. Uh, He's Colombian. 
but he is beloved all throughout Latin America and in the United States. He's been in the music industry for 30 years, and he took this genre of Colombian folk music called Vallenato and fused it with rock, kind of did his own rhythm. He's referred to as the Elvis of Latin America because he came up with his own thing and uh, has been the ambassador of it all over the world. He's celebrating his 30 years in the music industry. I literally know every song, every word, and you know I'm not the most musically inclined. Uh, He was hot as hell. I had such a crush on him. He always wore these little cut-off short shorts and long curly hair. I mean, he was a vision. And um, it's like I have a twin. Um. <laughs> and he, uh, I've been, you know, uh, we talk a lot about the need of having more Latino guests. And I had reached out to him, and he wanted to come on in August because he was doing an event at, at Radio City Music Hall, and we were on uh, hiatus. And so he was here to do some promotion stuff uh, last week and uh, pre-taped with us. But what was funny is I went to lunch with him the the day before. Let let me stop you here for a second because I want to give some context. A year ago, you and I had some conversations about Hispanic Heritage Month Uh and that there were people that you felt like we needed to be having that we weren't having. I was receptive. The team here was receptive. I appreciated your input, and we went to work. And we, I think we've done a good job, actually, in the last year of increasing the number I of do too. Latino guests. And I appreciate your input on all of that, and Sonny's too. So this year, I was really, really keyed in. I said, you know what? We're going to make sure that we take care of this. We make sure we have the right people. We are talking to the right people. Anna came to me, and she said, you know, Carlos Vives, this, this is the person. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. we got to make things move. I'm moving things around. I'm like, you're right. You know what? Anna, you got it. 24 hours before the interview, Anna calls me. I'm at lunch with Carlos Vives. He doesn't speak a word of English. <laughs> not a word. I, are you kidding me? He does not speak a word of English. I will then say, it turned out wonderful. And we did the interview and Anna asked the questions. Sonny translated the answers. He's so charming. He performed. It was wonderful. But... Moving forward, we need to check this out beforehand, before we commit. Well, how the hell was I supposed to know he doesn't speak English? I've never asked you're him the biggest, You're the biggest fan of Carlos Vives in history. You just sat here and told me you know every song, you know everything about him. Well, He's so gorgeous. Okay, you know something? He actually has a song called Carlitos No Habla Inglés about, about him as a little boy, Carlitos, being completely enamored with his English teacher. And the song, there's like English. <laughs> like there's a, there's a part of the song that says, Carlitos, pay attention. But it never occurred to me. So I was like, I'm having lunch with him. And I'm like, you mean to tell me Carlitos no habla inglés? And he's like, no, nada, not one word. He had never, he was very nervous about it. Yes. He was very nervous because he had never in his life agreed to do an English language interview. And this was his first. And he said his last. But he was such a good sport about it. Listen. I would welcome him back anytime. He was delightful. Let me tell you something. It takes a lot of chutzpah to show up and do an English language interview when, I mean, I mean, think about it. Would you go on Univision and do a, a Spanish interview? No. Exactly. So it takes a lot of chutzpah. So I'm very grateful to him. And honestly, that guy can do no wrong in my eyes. I don't care if he, you So what, know. when you figure this out, when you're at lunch with him, what goes through your mind? Oh, sh- I gotta, t- I gotta tell Brian. Like I called you immediately because yes. I'm like, oh. Sh-. I mean, I thought he, I knew he had. I, I mean, I knew he didn't speak English right. 
great. You know, yeah. I knew he wasn't completely fluent. I didn't know that he spoke like five words. <laughs> so, and like, we had moved heaven and earth to make this happen. We pre-taped it. We had a whole setup. But you were very good at changing things around. Yeah. Well, I mean, you made it work. <laughs> it was beautiful and wonderful. And then the highlight for me, of course, was then Joy dancing with with Carlos at the end, and the look on your face as Joy gets up and starts uh, rocking and rolling with him. Well, actually, the reason I was horrified uh, first, I was, I was, I, I love to see Joy uh, dancing, and uh, you know, playing along and and, yeah. and doing Latin, dancing to Latin um, music. But, you know, she's wearing these, like, ginormous uh, shoes that she got for the photo shoot. All of a sudden, you know, we have, like, new and improved Joy, right? Yes. She's, she's <laughs> like, very recently she has started wearing color. Yeah. This is a woman who was in mourning for, like, five years on the show. All of yeah. a sudden she's now this rainbow yeah. every time she... And she's wearing high heels after she'd been wearing the same shoes the same, actually, I think the same actual pair of shoes she wore for five years, and she's on this, she's in these stilts dancing with Carlos Vivas. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, if Joy Behar falls because my guest, Carlos Vivas, is dancing with her, I will never live it down. She will never forgive me. For the love of God, do not fall. She was great. It was so much fun. It was really fun. I'm very glad we had it, but that just cracks me up. All right, the other big news. You went to the Beyonce concert in New Orleans over, uh, you did this on the night of the GOP debate. Uh, yeah, I think I, t- I think I, w- I, I got the, the, the long straw there. I was, I was, uh, I got the mo- much better uh, option for uh, that night's entertainment. So, you know, everybody who's gone to this concert, it's like a rite of passage. Yeah. They come back, their lives are changed. They talk about how amazing it was. I was out of the country when she was in Miami. And this was supposed to be her last show. Actually, I think uh, today or tomorrow is the last show in Kansas because it's a rain makeup show. So this is New Orleans where she's got all of these connections. And I was like, okay, I do not want this to be over and me not to have (laughs) gone to. uh, And you know me. Yeah. I love a party. Yes, you do. I love, you know, will travel for uh, music and and booze. And so um, I talked, I called my best friend, Lee Schrager. And I said, let's go to Beyonce. And he said, yes, right away. You all, everybody needs a Lee Schrager in their life. A friend that you can call at the last minute and talk into schlepping across the country for a concert of someone whose music you don't know at all. When you don't know, own anything silver in your wardrobe. <laughs> but off he went with me. And we had the best time. It was an experience. I was perplexed. I mean, there wasn't one seat on the plane. Everybody was in Beyonce attire. I get to the to the hotel. The hotel is packed, and everybody is in in you know carrying their silver outfits, their shoes in their hands, hats, uh, see through bags, the entire thing. It was that woman sang and danced her heart out for almost three hours. Everybody knew every single um, word to every song except me and Lee. Uh, and, and but you recognized a lot more songs than you thought, I'm sure. I recognize. I had such a good time because she just, I mean, honestly, she is such a performer. She is such a consummate performer. She looked like a melanated Venus of Botticelli, like coming out of this 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 oyster shell. I mean, this woman is, is first, she's gorgeous. Then her kid, she's got this 11-year-old kid who can dance like like if she was a professional dancer absolutely it was the whole thing was spectacular ran into a Wanda Sykes over there 
because uh, she had also gotten on a plane and flown to New Orleans to catch the last show before this was over. And um, it was so much fun. The audience was so happy. It was just beautiful. It was beautiful. Tell me the uh, Sprinter van story. Also, we're, uh, we are, I'm at the hotel, and there's this, you know, these, this couple there. They were two friends, a girl and a, and a, and a guy. Uh, and they are dressed. I mean, he has like a full net uh, over his <laughs> entire head. And she's wearing pearls all up and down her butt. I mean, it's like amazing. And so they're going to Beyonce, and we're, we're all trying to figure out how we're going to get there. We're calling Ubers, and the Ubers are ca- canceling on us like at five minutes into us waiting. And then Lee says, let me go outside and see if I find anybody. And he goes outside, and there's a Sprinter van ready to take us to the Superdome, you know, for 20 bucks. So Lee invites this couple who we just met, this girl and this guy, and they didn't even have tickets but they had been to Beyonce before, and they had gone. So I guess, like, the, the best area to be on at is the most expensive. It's called Club Renaissance. But Club Renaissance, you got no seats. Mm-hmm. You're standing up yeah. for, like, four hours. I'm 51 years old. My back will go if I'm standing for, I mean, you know. So uh, we were on the floor, and they so they end up, these people who have no seats and are in the van with us, Next thing I know, and they're, so they're like trying to get tickets. Well, they got tickets and they ended up sitting smack in front of us. Oh, wow. In like, a, you know, 30,000. What are the odds of stadium, that? Person stadium. Now, there's something that happens at, at the Beyonce concerts called the Beyonce Mute Challenge. View staffers taught you about this before you went. Can you explain what that is and how it went for you? Well, there's a song she sings, and in the middle of the song, she calls for everybody to go on mute. And you're supposed to and, and, you know, and you're supposed to be the entire stadium goes on mute. But I was very nervous. I had a lot of anxiety about this because I didn't know the song and I didn't know the part. And I was afraid that, you know, like Lee and I would be half talking to each other and screaming at each other. Right. Because you were next to each other. But it's a concert. You're screaming to be heard by the guy next next to you. So I was afraid that I'd be like, hey, Lee, like in the middle of the mute challenge. So uh, I told our newfound friends who were now sitting right in front of us, Mm -hmm. please let me know when this is coming on so that we can shut up. Because if not, I I don't want somebody to slap us because we're like, Lee, you hungry? (laughs) You know, get ejected. Right. Did it go okay? It was. I did the mute challenge perfectly. I also in like I think I was in New Orleans for 18 hours. And in those 18 hours, I somehow managed to eat uh, char gr- gr- grilled oysters, uh, fried oysters, raw oysters. I had grits. I had beignets. I mean, beignets. I had yeah. I was like, okay, I've All done right. New Orleans. All right. Well, that that's the time we have. I'd like to point out that both grits and beignets. Mm-hmm. Breakfast. Just Mm-mm. saying. Just saying. I didn't like the beignets that much. I only had. You didn't one. like the beignets? Where'd you go? No, in my hotel. But the grits oh, were okay. the grits were great. All right. The grit. I don't think grits is a, a breakfast food. Yeah, it depends. I have I've had grits. For they they serve it as a meal in New Orleans. It's shrimp and shrimp and okay. grits. Beignets are definitely a, a breakfast food. I think they're an all day food in New Orleans. All right, fine. Um, all right, well, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Appreciate you being here on Monday. Uh, you'll be back on the show. We have Nancy Mace, which should be interesting. Yeah, it'll oh, be joy, great. Oh, joy! Yay! Yay! Look at that. See, sunshine and happiness. I appreciate it. Um, and give Alyssa, me that margarita we talked about. And Alyssa will join me on the podcast. Thank you very much.
Behind the Table is executive produced by Brian Tedda. Supervising producers are Nathan Getty and Summer Shake, with production assistant Emily Darcy. The vice president of ABC Audio is Liz Alessi, and the executive producer of podcast programming is Laura Mayer. Special thanks to Lori Hogan, Susie Liu, Meg Fierro, Enza Dolce Nini, Josh Cohan, Ariel Chester, Frankie Perez, Audrey Mostek, and Dana Schaefer. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.